Thank y'all for coming. I'm really, I'm honored to have people come hear me. I feel, just so you know, I feel kind of ridiculous giving a Sunday school class just because I feel like I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm hoping to focus on things I do know, which are teenagers and young Christians. I mean, that's what I spend most of my time doing is looking at how the gospel how that plays out in the life of somebody who's 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So hopefully, my hope and prayer is that none of this will be like burdening and anxiety-provoking for you, but it'll be freeing. That's the hope and prayer. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to watch this clip because I do teach high school students, so I always got a clip. Um, so let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, um, we praise you and we thank you for this beautiful church we have to worship in, and we thank you for your love for us and for the children of this church. Um, I pray that you would speak now through me and through um, your word and um, anything that I say that's not helpful and not from you, Lord, I pray that you would just take it away. Um, All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So this is from Footloose, the original, the new one, not so good, if you've seen it. Um, Again, the sound's not working, so it's going to come from my computer. Oh, thank you. The sound's not working. Can you hear it? The words are not that important anyway. The sermon's not that good. So. <laughs> that kid's my favorite. <laughs> okay. Um, so I like that clip because I think on some level that's kind of the fear. Um, and maybe justifiably. I mean... Um, but I'm going to get to a point where I think maybe that's not the fear. And I'll get there. But so the series that we're doing right now is called Why the Gospel is Everything to Your Child. Um, maybe ooh, go back. Maybe you came last week. Cameron talked about um, more just on that. He expounded upon why the gospel is everything. And just to be clear, I don't like to assume anything. I mean, why is the gospel everything to your child? I think it's true. It's everything because it's everything for me. It's everything for you. Um, it's everything for a five-year-old. I mean, you're just as enslaved when you're 65, 25, 5. I mean, they're burdened. That's one thing I could not believe when I came here is how burdened they are, just as much as a 45-year-old is burdened. Um, and so, therefore, freedom is just as powerful. And I say all the time, I mean, I've been a Christian and I've not been a Christian, and being a Christian is better. So wouldn't you want to experience that earlier? Um, the, this is from Deborah Layton. She has this thing. I've st- I told her I was going to steal it. Um, a relationship with Jesus is not just pie in the sky. It's cake on the plate. Um, it's not just something that's going to be good later. It's good right now. So if you can have the cake right now, why don't you have it right now? Like, so if your child, if it's on offer for your child to be a Christian now, which it is, wouldn't you want them to experience the joy of that relationship earlier? None of that baloney about when my kid has a kid. I don't. I mean, why go through all that pain? I, I mean, again, my life is like night and day from when before I was a Christian, and I wish it had happened earlier. Um, but God is powerful. So, does my child believe? 
Um, that's definitely anxiety provoking, I'm sure. Um, before I became worked with youth, I used to say, oh, I don't know that I want to work with youth because I don't really know that a child can become a Christian. That is definitely baloney. I mean, I have had the privilege of meeting so many beautiful Christians who are 13 in this church. It is amazing. And I hope I never become numb to that. It is so cool what God can do. Um, and so knowing that, I can, definitely we grieve for children who wake up on Sunday morning and refuse to go to church. Um, or that can come from a lot of things. Or don't know or don't care. Um, so I think you're justified in grieving over that, but maybe not being anxious. Um, so to break it down, I really, I kind of hate myself. <laughs> I know, I think that's funny. Um, I kind of hate myself for the three categories I broke it down into, but it's just easiest. Otherwise, I felt like it might be too scattered. But to keep in mind that I broke it down into three categories. One, my child says they're not a Christian, which is true for people in this church. Um, I meet students who say they're not. Um, Two, my child says they're a Christian, they're showing no fruit, another category. And the third category, um, my child says they're a Christian, and there's, wow, there's so much fruit, so fun. Um, I will say that these are mixed, and if you feel like your child's not one of these, I know that they're probably not. It's, everything is kind of mixed. Um, they might be one, but and you change a lot, too. You might be showing a lot of fruit as today, and then tomorrow is miserable, but that's because we're all a mixed bag ourselves, you know? Um, so... First, my child says they're not a Christian. What does that look like in our youth group? Well, I would say that it seems like maybe and maybe in your home what this looks like. Sunday morning is a war zone. Maybe you can't get them out of bed in the morning. Maybe they um, are roll their eyes when you pray for them. Maybe they won't pray. Maybe they won't. They refuse to go to Bible study. Maybe maybe they're open. Maybe they say, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Um, and... What was I going to read first? I think as a Christian, we initially go to, okay, well, um, what does the Bible have to say about that? Like, what can the Bible tell me to do about my kid who says they don't believe? Well, the only example that we have in Scripture of children as Christians, or one of the few ones, is from Acts. So at this point in Acts, we've had Paul and Silas who have been in prison and miraculously, the prison guard, like they are released by the Lord, miraculously, an angel of the Lord. The prison guard says, um, this is what the prison guard says in response. He says, he brought them out and said to Paul and Silas, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them to the same that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and he set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So the prison guard believes. They go back to the house. They speak the word to the entire house and baptizes the whole family. So maybe there was some sort of like deep heart faith quiz for the children before they were baptized that we don't know about, but I kind of doubt it. It sounds a lot like what really happened is that he, they, the parents received the word of the Lord and they just trust the children to God, which you already did in baptism. I would assume, maybe not, but I would assume in our church, if your child has been baptized, that's what happens in the service of baptism. Lord, this child, I cannot make you a Christian, but God can do that. And I'm trusting that the Lord is going to do that. And this is the prayer, because it's beautiful, that we read at the, after the baptism in our church. We read, Heavenly Father, we thank you that by water and the Holy Spirit, you have bestowed upon these your servants 
the forgiveness of sin, and have raised them to the new life of grace. Sustain them, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Give them an inquiring and discerning heart, the courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and to love you, and the gift of joy and wonder in all your works. Amen. Lord, we ask that you do these things, this inquiring and discerning heart, courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and love you. I mean, don't, isn't that what you want for your kid? I mean, that's what I want for myself. <laughs> um, but you're asking that God's going to do that. And so maybe that was a lot easier when they were like two years old and you could kind of like, or when they're in the baptism and you can kind of rock them down the aisle and you can carry them straight into church. Um, easier when they're six and making the popcorn cheap. But maybe a little bit harder when they're 13 or 17 and we're out late Saturday night and say, ain't no way I'm going to that. I'm not going to go. And maybe they come and their eyes are rolled in the back of their head or they're like that kid at the end of the clip who's like dead asleep in the aisles. Um, well, I think there's good news for that kid, too. So the main scripture I wanted to look at today is from Isaiah 55, um, which is a famous passage, but it's beautiful. And I think it has a lot to say about this. He says, um, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. So I think there are two things that are really helpful in this. First, the, um, from this, oh, I didn't didn't get forward for you. But first, the, um, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purposed and shall succeed in a thing for which I sent it. So we see here the comparison that he makes is the rain from the sky coming down. And at this time for the audience, I mean, you read in the Old Testament that without rain, they were dying. I mean, without rain, you don't eat. Without rain, that's it. It's over. I mean, they pray for rain all the time. I just met somebody the other day who grew up in a... I grew up here in Birmingham, so I have limited experience with this, but... um, grew up in a rural farming town and she was telling me every time she calls home that uh, her parents all they do is talk about the rain they only talk about so it's been about a week since we had a good rain she's like I can't cannot get them to talk about anything else um but I think that that's what it was for them that was life that's all rain was life and so it would come down it would give them what they needed and then it would evaporate return back up to the Lord and so the comparison is that in the same way that the rain does this so does the word of the Lord. So does the spoken word, the content, the power of the word that is spoken over it. It comes down and it accomplishes that which, for which it was sent. gives life and returns back. It doesn't fail. It doesn't like somehow hover over the ground and stop. When your child is in church and has a bad attitude and is rolling their eyes and is doing that thing like the kid, like stretched back in the aisle, like the word still has power over that. It's not like God is like, that the rain kind of skips over that person. The Lord skips over the child who's stretched back. They still hear it. I mean, they still absorb it. 
That's if I, one of the, and again, please ask questions. Um, but I want to focus on what I see because I think that's what I have to offer. The, um, that is one of the things that we see all the time. I mean, all the time. We will have a student who, and I've seen this in both of the churches where I've worked, who has not said a word the entire span of, you know, I guess their time in youth ministry, never prayed, never, you know, said anything to make us believe that they are listening at all. And all of a sudden one day, boom, out comes something incredibly profound and we're like, what just happened? You know, how did you know that? Like, I thought you were asleep this whole time. But here you, I had a student pray for me recently who I thought was totally texting the whole time that, that I've known this particular student. And all of a sudden offered to pray for me, went on this whole thing for five minutes. I mean, it was, it was amazing to think, wow, how did you know that? How did you know? But they're listening. We talked like briefly when someone came in that, you know, we, that we hear things from, they listen to us, but they don't listen to y'all. <clears throat> Not true. They're definitely listening to you. I mean, we ha- if they weren't listening to you, we wouldn't hear confirmation students say things like fully God and fully man. I mean, they didn't learn that from Elmo, you know? <laughs> like, they're hearing something, and they pretend like they, they leave before the sermon half the time anyway. They're hearing something, and they're hearing it from y'all. They're absorbing it. And as much as I hate to give myself as an example, uh, just because I don't want to be, an, like, a narcissist or something, but it's easier because I don't want to use someone's child, um... I grew up in the church, and I went to church every Sunday, and I was openly professed not a Christian. was like, I'm not into this. I think it's tough sell. Ain't no way. But my parents, I still went to church. And all of a sudden, I had a very kind of conversion when I was 16, uh, junior year of high school. And people used to ask me, how do you know so much? Like, you've been a Christian for about five minutes. How do you know so much? And I used to say, I don't know. But now I can look back and see, hmm, what to me was an instant work of the Lord and my conversion, you know, kind of like I went up to the mountain and I came back different, was very, in retrospect, slow. In retrospect, I was sitting and hearing the word of the Lord spoken every Sunday morning. I heard the sermon. I heard um, scriptures read. I went to Sunday school. I heard that. Most of the time I was thinking about my soccer game afterwards. Most of the time I was thinking about what we're gonna go, where we're going to go for brunch. But somehow I heard it and absorbed it. And when I became a Christian, it's like all that stuff kind of flooded up to the surface. I didn't realize what was going on. And I hear that from people all the time. So that's an exciting and encouraging word, I think. God is powerful and God's word will do what it's sent to do. Um, and also on that note, if you're thinking, well, that's all, that's all well and good, but um, I'm worried about my kid. My kid is getting into a lot of trouble. And I'd really rather that whole work thing happen now, like the fruit come bubble up now. Can it happen now? And that's where we just go back to. And God, this theme is repeated in the Bible all the time. I'm like, God, aren't you sick of saying that? But that my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Um, not only are his ways different and his thoughts different, but his thoughts and plans are better. He just knows the full scope. And again, I mean, I, everybody, I hope you know these... I've met some amazing, amazing, that's the cool thing about, I guess, being where I am, amazing Christians who were older and came to faith much later in life. And so God's looking above and can see the whole picture. It can see how um, the best time, the best time for this to come about. And we don't know. And to rest in that he loves your kid better than you do. I mean, again, I say that I wish that I'd become a Christian when I was younger. 
even younger than I was, so I feel really grateful for when it happened. But the fact that I can remember not being a Christian has been, the Lord has used that. And it's been really cool. Um, okay, so that's kind of, my, my child says they're not a Christian and they're not, and they're open about it. Um, hopefully some of that's helpful. But please log questions. I love questions. The hardest thing about adult Sunday school is that our youth Sunday school is loud. <laughs> it's like chit-chat. Sarah, that makes no sense, and so it's kind of, it's harder to just hear myself talking. So please keep questions, and I don't want to have it in. Um, so the second category, loosely, my child professes Christianity but is showing no fruit. Um, that's a really tough one. I even hate to write that out because, I mean, sometimes I'm like, I'm showing no fruit. Um, so it's hard to name that on somebody else, but aren't we all there? Um, I was at a youth conference, like, a month ago, and somebody raised their hand, a youth minister raised their hand in the audience and asked this question, said, what about all the students in my youth group who say that they're Christians, but doesn't look like it? And Jacob Smith, who's a rector at this church in New York, hopefully he doesn't mind being quoted, said, um, well, first, I think that we should, um, we, we praise, he's like, let's rejoice in intellectual assent to Christianity. Can we just pause and say, that's pretty remarkable. And I thought that was such a good word. Oh, my gosh. Because in Birmingham, I think we get lost in the fact that everybody here is a Christian. And you lose sight of the fact that it's pretty amazing to think that your child can profess that Jesus, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Like, that's a big deal. For them to say that they believe that, regardless of how true you think it is, I mean, that's a big deal. That's a crazy thing to believe, right? It's nuts. But if they can say that they believe that, that's awesome. And I think to praise them and affirm and give thanks to the Lord for that, that's great. Um, but it is hard when they're not showing any fruit. There's a little fruit inspector. Um, we look in and we say, you know what? I mean, if they really believe that, if Jesus was really in their heart, then would they talk back to me like that? Would they drink and smoke? Would they, I don't know. Roll the rise in church. Um, well, we would hope not. I mean, Jesus does say a good tree bears good fruit and bad tree, bad fruit. But again, I think we're all saint and sinner, right? We all display some bad fruit here and there, no matter what's in our heart. That's just the reality of this Christian life, that we're con- it's a process. It's still going on. I'm still being transformed. Um, I pray that it's more, more good in the future, more good fruit, but we just don't know. And I think... Any attempt to kind of pinpoint, okay, that's bad fruit. Not that you ignore it. I mean, I think if your kid is out drinking and smoking, I'm not saying that you should, like, you know, ignore it. But to say my pruning and fertilization, I just don't know if that's going to help. Does that make sense? Like, if I'm going to go in and kind of, like, cut down this branch, me, if I'm going to go in, for me, for example, I'll use myself as an example because I'm not a parent, but... If I were to meet with a student and say, look, you need to stop drinking right now, today. Don't do it. Well, one, they probably wouldn't listen to me. But two, if they did, then whatever that's stemming from is just going to be replaced by something else. I mean, whatever is at the heart of that, whether it be, I mean, usually that stuff starts with curiosity. But I think whatever that's coming from, a desire for acceptance, um, a desire to forget about something else, some sort of coping mechanism, Something else is going to come in. So if it's a coping mechanism, maybe they start, you know, escaping by watching 16 hours of Netflix. I don't know, which is also not healthy, 
which is a, a lot of them do that. Um, or they start escaping by, I don't know, watching all kind of other kinds of things, making new friendships, doing things by my pruning, by my fertilization, by my cutting that thing down. Because um, at the end, of the end of the day, as much as, I, for me, I'm bad about this. I think I have like good instincts. Like I know what's at the heart of what's going on. But, I mean, I think I know, but I, I don't really know. Only God knows that. Like, we see what's above the surface, right? But God sees the root. God sees what's at the heart. And I think that's where you come in and say, well, Lord, I pray that you kill the weed that's choking that. That's whatever that it's happening, that's doing it together, calling it out maybe, but then saying, I can't cut this thing down. And by coming to your child and saying, this is not a lot of fruit, I'm not sure if you're a Christian, well, who knows? Because... Again, they very well may be, and that's something to rejoice in. But um, your pruning is not going to help. I think God's pruning is going to help, and that's going to happen in time. Again, because Christianity is our, us here on earth, it's hard. It's hard to live in this world, live in the world where they live in, where um, high, junior high and high school and elementary school, oh my gosh. I mean, it's still, it's, it can be really dark places to be swimming in that. And still struggling through so many things and learning and learning and learning. Um, it's hard to be perfect, you know. Uh, yeah. That's that thing, that, that difficulty, of, especially the teenagers. Yeah. You find that to be the, the door through which uh, the gospel message gets through, gets through to the child. Is that when they struggled, when they have, when they have done something wrong, perhaps the, the message of forgiveness is home? Uh, is that where will they listen to you when they won't listen to parents? Uh, yeah, I will say um, totally. That's how it happens for most people, right? Like you try everything else until nothing works, and then. Um, then you'll look to faith. And that's why I think the parent example is helpful. Um, but, yeah, I think that we all, that's, got, that's the famous God's office at the end of your rope, right? And I just always pray for, the, I pray for them all the time, a shallow bottom, whatever that may be. Lord, may it not be deep. Could it be shallow? Could it be something simple like a failed test? Please, Lord. I don't want them to experience, I don't want them to get arrested. I don't. And... I think that it can happen with something really shallow. I do think you can come to faith when you're four years old. Um, and I know people who experienced that and walked through that. So it's not impossible, but I think you're right. I think usually it's high. we see a lot of change. That's, youth ministry is really fun because you see so much change. So much. They're really coming into themselves and seeing that. I, you kind of watch the whole transition of, I mean, the, when they raise their hand in class and they're like, who here has never sinned? And you go from the place where about half the class will raise their hand to the place where nobody will raise their hand. It's cool to watch that and eventually reach the point where um, I can't do this by myself. And that's usually, yeah, where they come to faith. Does that answer your question? Sort of. Why do they listen to me? I think because I don't know if they do. But if they do, Cameron and I and Gracie and Jay, I think it's maybe because they feel like we can relate to them and we're younger. But I think they really listen to you. They just like to pretend like they don't. <laughs> um, anybody else? Does that make sense? 
keep keep thinking. Okay. Um, so this third category that I brought up, my child believes and is fruitful. Well, if your child is in this category, you're probably not in this class, but maybe. <laughs> um, I see that, all, again, I see that all the time. I have a couple of Bible studies which, spiritually speaking, are very similar to Bible studies that I'm in, which is incredible. Please, Lord, may I never become numb to the gift of the spiritual depth in this church. It is insane. It is uh, That's all I can say. It is amazing. So I see that a lot. I think it's cool. I think, um, could the case be that it's kind of like the three-year-old who can, quote, read because they've, like, memorized the pages? Do you know what I'm talking about when kids do that? Like, could it be that they know that, like, they do this a lot, where they'll be like, we ask a question, they don't know the answer, and they're like, Jesus, sin. <laughs> you know, like, just th- throwing it out. And they know the good vocabulary. So... They, they, they could be faking it, sure, but I think we're not really worried about that. Again, we don't know, so I'm not really worried about that. I think if they, they profess a faith and, and you're seeing this fruit, that is something amazing to be praised and to continue to pray for them, though, because you all know, this is the cool thing, too, about being on the other You all know this is just the beginning. Like, life is just starting, and there's a lot more to come, and there's a lot more that's going to happen. It's going to shake their faith, but hopefully grow their faith. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, that exists. It's true. It's fruitful. We pray that it's coming from a good place because good works can come from somewhere totally different. You could be the people pleaser. That's a really good faker. Um, but mostly I just think, praise the Lord for that. Um, okay. So lastly, I want to, before hopefully some questions, um, I'm going to look at, okay, so if you're still anxious, if you're like, what do I do? You're sitting here and you're thinking, you've kind of talked about different things. It's a little bit hopeful. It's hopeful that um, the word of the Lord is powerful no matter what my kid is thinking in church. Hopefully that's hopeful. I think also when you think about that, if we go back really quick, the word, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. I think hopefully this is fair. Mark Gillinette, come stop me. Um, I think Jesus Christ as the word who comes down, he's not, he does not fail. He came down to, to save the sins of all. He does not fail. He came, he will accomplish that which, for which he was sent, which is for our forgiveness to defeat death. He, he didn't fail. He's done. He did it. And to rest in that, I think that's really helpful. So hopefully that, and that's true for your children, just as it's true for you. But um, I think to wait on that, to trust the Lord, that the Lord's going to do it and that the Lord loves your kids more than you do. I think it's hard to be in that place. And you have this anxious energy and you want to do something and you want to, like, prune. I have to repeat to myself all the time with them. Stop. No, stop pruning. Just let it go. Just let it go. And I'll take all that anxiety and move it towards prayer. Because I don't pretend to understand all that prayer does, but I will say that's one of the things that I noticed, too. Another, like, a, a... observation about the advent compared to where I used to be is I came in and I thought you can tell you can tell when these students are grow that they're living in families where they're being prayed over where um, just the word lives and is breathed and taught and spoken you can tell it's amazing it's very cool yeah Question. When you're talking about the you know, as far as setting boundaries and discipline and all that, yeah. I think, you know, so you're still saying stop and find therapy. Yeah. Um, you're still saying setting the appropriate boundary at home. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you have to do something for your child's going out. 
Right, yeah, yeah. The prayer. The prayer, yeah, and not to expect that. I think for me, it's just not to expect that, and this is just what I've seen, that our behavior modification is going to change their heart. That I'm not saying it doesn't and still isn't still required. Like certain things are breaking the law, or certain things are really disrespectful. You shouldn't call your friends bad names. That should be stopped. But changing their behavior is not going to change their heart. Sadly. So, um, so this is my final little on prayer and on just how powerful it is over the children, how powerful it is, and what a blessing it is to grow up in a Christian home. Um, I'm sure you've heard of St. Augustine, who, but maybe you didn't know, I didn't know until I was in college, that he grew up with a Christian mother um, and lived a very kind of wild and erratic lifestyle until his conversion was 29. And um, so that's from which he writes his confessions, and he goes through kind of his own spiritual journey. And he ends up becoming just this famous and very profound Christian philosopher. And this is what he writes about his conversion and what it has to do with his mother. He says, You put forth your hand from on high, and you drew my soul out of that pit of darkness, when before you my mother, your faithful servant, wept for me more than mothers weep over their children's dead bodies. By that spirit of faith which she had from you, she saw my death, and you graciously heard her, O Lord. Graciously you heard her, and you did not despise her tears when they flowed down from her eyes and watered the earth beneath. And whatsoever place she prayed, graciously you heard her. Isn't that beautiful? That she wept over me like she, children weep over dead bodies. I mean, I think that that's, you feel justified in your grief, but you want your kid to have that cake on the plate. You want your kid to have that relationship with Jesus, to grieve for them. I mean, oof. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch these young kids carry burdens that are so heavy already. Um, but that the Lord hears the prayers. And what better place to go with that anxiety than to just give it to him? And he hears it. So, any questions? I would love to... About, yeah, I thought I saw someone. Teenagers, the gospel, struggling with if they believe. Should I force them to go to Bible study? Yeah. Yeah. I had trouble forgiving someone, and I expected that forgiveness would come like that. But someone told me that that may take time. There may ebb and flow with with that. Mm-hmm. I think works are kind of the same way. Good works are not an on-off switch. You know, it's more dialed in. There's probably periods of time where it ebbs and flows. So. Oh yeah, and it's the fruit in its season, totally. Um, I think you could go with you go with nothing for a long time. I mean, when I became a Christian, people didn't know for a long time. <laughs> Couldn't really tell. But some, and it's different for everybody too. Comparisons are odious. Woof. That some, I think, I hate that. I hate that about where we are too in our church because there's so much beautiful spiritual growth in certain students. That I hate to think that parents look and say, well, why can't you be like Susie, who's leading a Bible study? Well, so what? That Susie's leading a Bible study. That's good for Susie. But who knows what's going on? You know what I mean? There's plenty, there are plenty of students who have so much depth who are not leading anything, who are just hanging out, hardly say anything. But sometimes when I get the opportunity to talk to them, I'm like, whew, man, wow. You know, they're just different. Everybody's different. And you, those things get produced at a different time. I mean, 
there's so many people that come back to the youth group. I've just only been here a year and a half, so it's, I haven't had that as much, but who come back after college and are like on fire and never went to a single Bible study while they were here. So. I think one of the things that for me growing up was hard was I would always hear about Jesus and we would talk about God, but nobody really ever talked about the Holy Spirit, that hmm. they pray for the Holy Spirit to come and help me. Mm. And I always, like once I got that it was a trinity, that mm-hmm. makes such a huge difference. Mm. That's a good point. The theological depth of this church and in the families does make a huge difference. They're so smart. And not, and not to think that, I think they're not as, they're smarter than we think. We always try, we hope, we pray to teach a little bit above and they always rise up. Like they get it. It's amazing to hear them use that language. Like the joke I said about, we did have a kid in confirmation class say fully God and fully man, describing Jesus. I mean, 12 years old. Like they get it. <laughs> it's cool. So. Anything else? Yeah. Um, I listen to this psychologist who's not my husband or <laughs> Or I don't listen to him. He's, um, he's a Christian psychologist that works with adolescents. And um, he said that, you know, and you were talking about children being burdened. And, mm. and as much as like a 35 and 45 year old. And this is just really stuck with me um, about, and it, as far as like what I want my home to be for my child, and it, and it was the verse, "Come to you, come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest." And when my children are acting out, or you know, so, so often I can become punitive, but you know, our home needs to be a home and a safe place uh, from the rest of the world, and that I, I'm, I remind myself of that over and over and over. Mm. And that's just been very helpful for me. Mm. Cameron met somebody the other day. She was at Episcopal Place. We're sending kids on Mondays and are hoping to. <laughs> and um, he sat next to this woman who grew up in Greene County, Alabama, and moved to Birmingham and had four kids. Um, all four kids have jobs and are married and go to, go to church every Sunday and come and see her. And Cameron's like, this is the dream, like gold mine, like of wisdom. Tell me what you did so that I, it'll happen to me. <laughs> and she said, um, he, so he asked her, he said, well, what, you know, what's your parenting advice? And she said, affirm, 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 and pray for him all day. And I thought that was so wise because, um, well, they're, you think that, I think sometimes we get nervous about them getting big heads which is possible in this like trophy society. But more than often than not, I think you receive the message you are not enough pretty much from everywhere. Like where is your kid going to get unconditional love if not from you? I mean, you get it from the Lord, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think to know that they're being loved by you is a game changer. That changes everything. If they feel like your love is conditional, I mean, of, of course it is. All of our relationships are conditional, but I think what you're saying about love in the home is just so powerful. I thought she was really nice. Okay, I'll pray for us. And then you can go. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we thank you for the blessing of children, of new Christians in this church. I pray, Lord, for um, more and more to um, know you and um, see you at work in their lives. I pray for wisdom and how to um, pray for them and um, be with them. And um, Lord, help us. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.